Please join me in the word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this evening that you've given us once again to learn more about you, your ways, your love, your grace, and your mercy. We ask for your help tonight, Lord God, to teach us what we don't know. And as you remind us of what we already know, we pray for humility that we will be open to correction or adjustment with our attitude or our hearts or our thinking. Remind us of the ways that are not pleasing to you that we are doing. We recognize that you are in our midst. We pray for your help as we say that. Lord, I pray for your blessing with this, uh, for my preparation, but at the same time, Lord, override it. Let it you and you alone to speak to your people. And I pray for the Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit in all of them to give them the wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. All right. So tonight um, we titled our message. We're still in, we're going to end our series of Pursuit of Happiness. And we're going to do that with the story of the prodigal son. And if that, um, if you watch that video and you heard that song, that's basically the sum of it, right? We can close in prayer if you want <laughs> and then get to eating. <laughs> I, get, I get so many yeses, I was just kidding. <laughs> so please read along with me in your Bibles there. I titled our message, The Result of the Pursuit. In every decision that we make, there's a result. It's either rewards or consequences. It's either rewards or consequences. Either we make the right decisions, and if we make the right decisions, we reap the blessings of it. If we make the wrong decisions, we reap the consequences of it as well. It's just the way of things. You can argue with it. You can complain. You can point fingers. But at the end of the day, it's the result of whatever you pursued in your life. So we've been discussing the idols, the many idols of this world that even us believers have fallen into. So tonight we're going to sum it up with this story. Please read along again with me. The parable of the lost son. He also said, uh, Jesus speaking to the people. And the crowd, just so you have a background, if you don't already know, the background are Pharisees and sinners. Tax collectors are with him during this time that he read this. This is one of the most popular parables, as you already probably already know. He also said, Jesus speaking, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, give me the share of the estate that I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the carob pods the pigs were eating, but no one would give him any. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food? And I'm here dying of hunger. I'll get up, go to my father and say to him, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. 
make me like one of your hired hands. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father, verse 22, told his slaves, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put on a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened, fattened calf and slaughter it. And let's celebrate with a feast. Because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Verse 25. Now his older son was in the field. As he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants and asked what these things meant. Your brother is here, he told him. And your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has, has him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. But he replied to his father, Look, I have been slaving many years for you, and I have never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Son, he said to him, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But when we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The Pursuit of Happiness series hopefully revealed to us or reminded us the traps and the idols of this world, of this society, this culture that we, have been that we are living in, the things that... Uh, it's making us experience, just like, just like the prodigal son. Sometimes we love to argue with the Lord because we think that if we pursue these certain things, it will make us happy, right? And in beginning, there's, there's three parts here that we're going to have, we're going to discuss. The first part, of course, is the prodigal son. The second is the, 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 the brother. And then the third is the father. Okay, so those, we're going to have three parts, three segments of our message tonight. But first, here's a, here's a quote by M. Scott Peck with it, from his book, The Road Less Traveled. Delaying gratification is a process of scheduling the pain and pleasure of life in such a way as to enhance the pleasure of life in such a way as to enhance the pleasure by meeting and experiencing the pain first and getting it over with. It is the only decent way to live. It's talking about delayed gratification. But we no longer like that. We are a microwave generation. We put thing, something in the microwave and then we tap our finger or our foot waiting for it. Because we can't wait. In regards to internet, I don't know if, if you're old enough, but before it was a dial up. You have to wait for it to connect. And there's that weird sound that goes... Well, yeah, that one. <laughs> what happened there? That one. That sound, right? And it takes forever to, to connect to the internet. And now you're just, you're on, you're on 5G on your phone and you're still mad. My man, my phone is slow. I can't wait to buy the new Apple and get in debt again. 
Right? We, we want it now and we could care less what God wants. We want it now and we could care less for what God wants and when He wants it. We want it now and we argue with Him. Imagine if you look, keep your, fing keep your fingers on that, that book there. The son said, I will treat you. The prodigal son said, the rebellious son said to his father, I will treat you as if you were dead. He didn't say those words, but that's kind of like what he's saying, right? Because the only time we get our inheritance is when our parents are dead. He basically told his dad, you are dead to me, so give me the money now, and then you don't have anything to do with me. I don't want anything to do with you, and same vice versa. The weirdest thing there, if you read it again, is the father complying to the request of the son. He allowed the son to make that mistake. He allowed him. Don't you see that? And then when we call him the I want it now, brother. I want it now. I don't want it later. I want it now. And here are verses, believers, that God tells us to wait on him. If you have been praying for a partner and God hasn't given you one, Guess what? God's still telling you to wait on Him. If you've been waiting for your husband or your wife to change and you've been praying to God for that, God's still saying, wait on Him. If you've been praying for a change in your life with your health, God's still saying, wait on Him. Isaiah 30, 18, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, He will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait. On him, for him. Psalm 27, 14, wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart, and wait for the Lord. 2 Peter 3, 8, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. This is the bad news for us. <laughs> With the Lord, it's like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. We are told to wait on the Lord. The one thing that we are told to wait on is His second coming. Some of you are probably, could, because your life is so good, you don't want Jesus to come yet, right? <laughs> oh, life is so good, not now. I'm reaping my benefits, you know. I got a good job. My 401k is flourishing. Don't come yet, Lord, not now. I haven't scratched the 69th thing on my bucket list. I still got a hundred things to do. Don't come yet. But we are told to wait on the Lord. Waiting requires trusting. Do we agree? Waiting request, requires trusting. If you have forgotten your keys in the car and you call your spouse because you have the other key there, are you still worried? <laughs> I think it's something I ate tonight. <laughs> are you still worried after they say, okay, I'll be there? Are you still worried? No, of course not, right? You're going to have peace of, peace of mind and you're going to say, you know what? They're coming. It just takes 15 minutes and they'll be here. 20 minutes. Waiting requires trusting. Do you trust God? Now, if you trust Him, He's telling you, wait. Are there many things that you have been lifting up to Him? What are you saying? Wait. Sometimes the answer is not yes or no. Sometimes it's, Wait. You know, have you waited at a DMV? 
If you have a car, your answer is like, heck yes, I waited at the DMV. That seems to be their expertise, is make people wait. They give you this new thing. They said, make an appointment online. Guess what you're going to do, even if you have an appointment online? Wait. So power trip. Who works at the DMV here? Do you guys do a coffee meeting and like, let's say, all right, so let's delay people two hours today or one hour? Ah, let's try to do it an hour and a half. Let's be nice. But once you have that number, you're trusting that they know what they're doing and sooner or later they will call on you, correct? That they will call on your number, now serving G35, uh, window number five. I get it. I, I've been there many times, as you can imagine. That's why I have it in my mind. When you apply for a green card, for us Filipinos, right? When you apply for a petition for your spouse, you wait. You're waiting on the Lord and you're waiting on them. But it requires trust. It requires trust. that God knows what He's doing. Sooner or later, He will respond to you. Sooner or later, he will respond to you. But the problem of the prodigal son is he couldn't wait. He couldn't wait because he already made up his mind that happiness is not at his household at that moment. Happiness is not with the farm with his brother who's so diligent. He wasn't having fun there. He wants to go out. The father complied. The father gave him the money. And the first thing he did, he bought ticket, a ticket to, uh, from Southwest and went straight to Las Vegas. He started living a wild life in Vegas. He had a group chat with Kid Rock and Charlie Sheen. Right? He was friends with those crazy dudes. But to a point, they, he scared them. He got a text from Charlie Sheen saying, dude, slow down. And then something happened. He ran broke. No more friends, right? No more friends. No more friends because he was too, was too many things to do, too little time. Sometimes when we rush things and we jump into our own conclusion, we get in trouble. But then when we find out, then sooner or later we find out that the thing that we've been chasing isn't enough. Apart from the Lord, it will never be enough. I don't care how much you love your spouse. Or how loving your spouse is. If you make them above the Lord, sooner or later you will realize that they are not meeting or satisfying you anymore. That's just the truth. I don't care how successful you are right now at your job or your business. But if you make that your little God, sooner or later the Lord will show you that that too is empty. Jesus said, in John 6, 35, it reads, I am the bread of life. Jesus told them, no one who comes to me will ever be hungry. And no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty, thirsty again. Just like what Jesus told the woman in the well, who had gone through many marriages, right? And at that time, when he, she met Jesus, she was already not even married anymore. She was with someone that she wasn't married to. Probably someone else's husband. So she's been living in sin. She's been trying to she's been trying to get happiness from one relationship to another, thinking that the next marriage will be better. But little did she know that she's chasing after the wind. And then Jesus tells her, If you drink from my well, you will never be thirsty again. 
Here is the bread of life. Jesus tells us that He is the bread of life. We will never be hungry again if we are with Him. There will be no more emptiness if you make God your life. But that's the problem, right? We don't believe that. We say amen here at church, but when, once we get out there and we're faced with our, with our problems and we're faced with our sinful nature because we want it our way. Should I just use a different mic? All right. Pause, please. Thank you. Okay. But we don't want it. We don't want waiting. We say amen here. We trust in the Lord. We trust in Him and what He will do for us. That He satisfies us alone. But then once we step out of this building, it's a whole different ballgame again. It's a different us again. We dictate to God again instead of the other way around. We call ourselves Christians, but we don't live for Him. We want Him to satisfy how we want to live. And then we wonder why we're so miserable. Why, and then we wonder, why am I not really happy? Why, am I, why don't I have the peace that I truly have, that I truly want? Everything that I have, I think I'm happy. My friends tell me I should be happy, but I'm not. It is because we are chasing Something else apart from Christ. Because folks, if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord, you're a new creation. None of these things in this world will satisfy you. And for, for those of you who have not surrendered your life to Christ yet, you will sooner or later, like the prodigal son, you will find out that everything that this world has to offer is just a bottomless pit. I know us Filipinos, we like that, right? Bottomless iced tea. It means free refill. And oh my gosh, bottomless unlimited rice and bottomless iced tea. That's what Filipinos like. We're like, oh, you don't know who you're dealing with. <laughs> you're about to lose money in this place tonight. But same thing with our greediness. Same thing when it comes to something else other than Jesus. We will never be satisfied unless we make Jesus our number one in our lives. But then what, we, what do we say? But I'm supposed to follow my heart. I'm happy when I follow my heart. My husband is no longer making me happy. My heart is longing for love. My wife is no longer the answer to my happiness. My children no longer brings me happiness. I need to follow my heart. And that just means that they found their ex on Facebook and now they're texting each other. They're like, oh, sparks are flying. Follow their heart. Right? Facebook has caused so many. I'm not even kidding. I know there's a statistic for this. Facebook has caused so many divorces because of those old flings coming along. Because the magic of the new thing, the magic of the what if, the magic of the one that got away. And they want to follow their heart. And look at what the Bible says about following your heart. Jeremiah 17, 9. Who can understand the human heart? There is nothing else so deceitful. It is too sick to be healed. And then Jesus said in Mark 7, 20-23, Then he said, What comes out of a person that defiles him? For from within, out of people's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil 
actions, deceit, promiscuity, stinginess, creepotness, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a person. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So are we supposed to follow our heart? Are we supposed to follow our heart? No. Apart from, because if we follow our heart, it will lead us to these things. We must be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Correct? The reason why our brain is above our heart is not by accident. I believe God is telling us, look, stupid. <laughs> Think first before you feel. <laughs> Don't follow your heart. Right? How many of you know people that supposedly followed their hearts but actually ruined their lives following their hearts? Just like the prodigal son here, he, a Jewish boy, ended up working in a pig pen. That's no place for any Jewish boy to be at. Instead, because he had a very wealthy father, instead of living a very comfortable life with his father, at home, I'm picturing him as a prince, like a third in command guy. But no, he decided to party hardy. And now he can, doesn't have anything new. He shares a meal with the pigs. For some of us, your pig pen is your money. For some of us, your pig pen is your money because your money takes you to places. Far away, far, far away, doing things far, far away from what you're supposed to be doing with God and for God. Our pig pen as Americans is our blessings. Our curse, ironically, is our bread. Our bread. Because if you talk to Christians from third world countries, the ones that are being persecuted to even worship God, I tell you, your intention to come on church on a Sunday is different from theirs. The ones that actually walk miles and miles and fearing for their lives if they do worship, but they could care less because they want to gather, they want to talk about the Word of God and praise Him in a cave or with the consequence of dying, getting their heads cut off, just talking about Jesus, just gathering. But for us believers, oh my gosh, Joyce, the Niners are playing. It's a Sunday. Maybe next week, Joe, I'll be there. I was there last Sunday. God understands. Or we're so active for something else. Our money takes us away from God. That's our pig pen. It's our blessings. It's the opposite. The how about me, brother? The how about me, brother? The guy that was doing everything else. He was, he was faithfully working. Doing everything that his father wanted him to do. Expecting something in return. 
The bad thing about the brother is his works gave him what? Entitlement. His works made him proud. His faithfulness made him want to think about himself more than he was supposed or he's supposed to be and then looking down on everybody else. He had pride. And pride is the root of all evil. Look at this. Pride comes before being destroyed and a proud spirit comes before a fall. Pride comes before the fall. In Proverbs 18.12 reads, Before his downfall, a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 reads, So whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. The older brother could care less for his prodigal brother coming back. The meaning of prodigal is not just, it's actually wasteful. The real meaning of prodigal is wasteful. The prodigal son wasted, wasted his relationship, not the money per se, but he wasted his relationship with his father so that he can satisfy his sinful desires. Are you in that stand now? So are you, you have to think, it's, am I the prodigal or am I the older brother? And then if we're all going to be honest here, it depends on what day we're being asked this, correct? <laughs> it depends. Is it a Sunday? I'm probably the, pro the brother because I came in early and the other guys are not here yet. Ha <laughs> ha! Or if it's a Wednesday and we're having trouble at work, right? And we just want to get out and we just want to, we got the paycheck and we finally want to satisfy our needs. I'm going to the casino and I'm the prodigal. The prodigal brother at that time. It depends on what day, right? It depends on how we feel. It depends if we want to follow our heart. The, the older brother forgot about, didn't know about this, but if you are acting as if you're the older brother, you have to remember Ephesians 2, 8, 9 to 10. For if you have been, for you have you are saved by grace through faith, and it's not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not from works so that no one can boast. What's the brother doing? When he said, look how proud, if you're still in Luke 15, look at the verse where the brother sends the, his servant to ask him what's going on. Because he's already, he already had a feeling. My thinking is he already knew what was going on. That party wasn't for me because I didn't even get an invitation, right? He wasn't even told. So he sends his servant because he's already ticked off, right? So he probably sent that servant of his to communicate already to his father that he's already ticked. Because my, da my dad doesn't even need me to ask him. He's going to hear from my servant. Go find out what's going on over there. Right? He sent somebody over there. That's how proud, that's how prideful he was. And then his line, when he says, look at your Bibles there, or your Bible app, when he said, look. The older brother told his father, look, I have been faithful to you all these years. I've been slaving for you. He uses the word slaving. And if, if, if you know, I, I did that to my mom before, that look in the Filipino way. Listen, 
I wasn't even able to communicate the next words because my mom would just go, oh yeah, that's how you talk to me? <laughs> oh yeah, listen, you're going to listen to me. I don't listen to you, right? But he had the brother here, had the audacity to say, look, I have been slaving for you. Sometimes we have that attitude towards God. Sometimes we may be down on our knees or maybe not, and God hasn't been responding. God hasn't been answering our prayers. And then what do we say? Look, I have been slaving for you. But how come you're not answering my prayers? And I see my brother here who barely makes it to church. But his, his marriage is better than my marriage. Sometimes we find ourselves telling God this. Right? And then we compare ourselves. We, when we start comparing, that's when the problem happens. Because we feel entitled. God owes us. I've been giving my offering faithfully for the past 12 months, but I haven't received that raise that I've been praying for. What in the world is going on here? Lord, should I cut down on my giving? So I can recoup what you're not giving me? <laughs> I mean, mathematically, it's making sense. The older brother not only boasted of his faithfulness, of his works for his father, he also used the word slaving. Revealing that it wasn't done freely or willingly by him. He saw it as his obligation. He is his father's slave. That is, the older brother is a religious person. Focusing on external practices. Focusing on what they want to do for God. Trying to manipulate the God that they think they are believing in. Religious people, more than anything, are superstitious people too. If I only do certain things, I will get my wish. In the Philippines, with my former faith, there's this called Simbangabi. It's a church at nighttime. And if you go to church very early, like morning, the only time I make it is if I don't go home, <laughs> you know, from a bar. And then I go straight to church because I have something to wish for have to make those certain days and then I will give God my wish. And he, as they tell me, will answer my prayer. Not superstition? And superstitious people will tell you, oh, there's nothing. If you believe in it, you don't lose anything anyway. So you have a Catholic, a Catholic who's believing in feng shui. And you have a Buddhist who's believing and in, in, in telling you, okay, pray for me. Pray for me. But don't come in this room. Just pray for me from the outside. A sister of ours was told that. She offered to pray for uh, her co-worker's dying husband. And the, the co-worker was Buddhist. And the Buddhist uh, friend of hers told her, yeah, you can pray, but don't go in the room because the spirits are flying all over and if you pray, it might enter, something like that. Religious people are doing that. Religious people is this older brother that he's thinking that his works will earn him heaven. It should have earned him his father's approval. 
Well, his father told him, you have always had me with you. The older brother gets two-thirds of the inheritance. The younger brother only got one-third of it, a very small fraction compared to his. But he still had problems because he felt entitled because he has been slavings for his father. Forgetting the fact that verse 10 says, right, for we are his creation created in Christ Jesus for good works. Our good works for God is the result the result of our relationship with Him. We don't try to be saved based on what we're trying to do for Him. But we do these things because He saved us. It's the product of grace. The religious brother, the legalistic brother, thought that he is now owed because he's been doing things for his father. Acts 26.20 reads, First to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, and all in Judea, and then to the Gentiles. Paul speaking, I preach that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. The difference of the gospel. This is a quote from Peter, Pastor Peter Tanchi from CCF. Gospel requires repentance. It transforms and touches the heart. It requires surrender to a new master. You serve him on his terms. That's grace. Religion is external. No repentance. You are your own boss. You follow rituals. And it does not transform the heart. Religion is to satisfy their own desires. Because have you met those religious people? And, and I, I have a friend and he tells me, I have this so religious aunt. She's the most religious person they've ever known. She goes to church maybe four or five times in a week. She says all the prayers that she needs to do. But she doesn't love any of us. She's the, she's the first person that gossips about everybody in her family. She's the worst person I've ever known, but she's so religious. Have you met those people? Okay, now we're just being the older brother right now. <laughs> but isn't that the difference? The difference of grace and religion, Jesus versus religion, are two opposite things. This is how the younger, the, the prodigal son should have been treated. Read this. Suppose a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or mother. Even though they discipline him in such a case, the father and mother must take the son to the elders as they hold the court at the town gate. The parents must say to the elders, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious and refuses to obey. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of his town must stone him to death. In this way, you will purge the evil among you and all Israel will hear about it and be afraid. Praise God that I did not grow up during this time or else I would have not See past 17. <laughs> I would have been stoned to death. And praise God for the rebellious children here <laughs> that you didn't also grow up at this time. But this is how the prodigal son should have been treated. The people that were listening to this parable when they first, when they heard Jesus sharing it, they were thinking this, that that prodigal son must be stoned to death. That when, imagine when, when, the, when the prodigal son started coming back, 
started walking, heading to his house, household. He must have been sweating bullets, right? Because knowing this, he probably know about this. I wonder if my father will bring me in front of the elders, and this will be the last of me. When he said, he said, I'll ask my father to hire me as one of his hired hands. Do you know what that is? There's, apparently, there's three segments of uh, servants or slaves during that time. The bond servants are the ones that are somewhat family to their owners already. And then those bond servants will hire slaves underneath them to manage and do the harder work. And then there are hired servants, what we call now per diem. The per diem people. This son was just saying, I hope my father will hire me per diem, per day, until I repay my, my wickedness towards him. Imagine, because we know how the, the, the story ended, right? It was such a touching song that, that we listened to. The God ran, the father ran to the son. But did the prodigal son actually think that his father was going to start kissing him and hugging him? If, 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 if he was like me, I would probably be thinking, this is it. He's charging me. He can't wait for me to get over there. He's coming to kill me here and now. Right now, he's going to kill me now. There was a time when I was at the emergency room. When I was in fifth grade, summer of my fifth grade. So I'd say I was probably 11, coming to 12. I got into a, a bike accident. I got into an accident. My mom told me not to borrow the neighbor's bike because the neighbor's bike does not have brakes. And my mom told me not to pass a certain distance from where we live because it's dangerous when you pass that certain area. Guess what I did? I did not listen to both rules. I thought I knew better than my mom because my mom didn't know about the foot break. You guys know about the foot break? Oh, all you guys that grew up here, you probably don't know because you guys got your brakes and it's cheap. And the foot is too expensive. Your foot break is your slippers. You just kind of stick it to the back a little bit and it'll stop. It'll just go and then you'll stop. So I did that and it works. I go, my, my mom will never understand. She's always just too straight. So I took that ride. I passed the boundary that she told me. And I took that bike faster than this. Oh, man. I could feel the wind. I could still feel it. <laughs> and then I got into an accident. I couldn't stop. I was going way too fast. Three things could have happened to me. I could have gotten hit by a car because I was hitting an intersection. And I couldn't stop. So when I pass it, like, no cars, praise God. <laughs> but then the next problem was there is a, where's a bridge. So if I hit that wall, I'll probably shoot up and go down. So I had a choice. I could go either airborne or go down low. I took down low. Next thing I know, I woke up at the emergency room. And then I heard my mom's voice. I heard my mom's voice, Pastor Charles. <laughs> And for my age during that time, my mom's voice is death to me. <laughs> let me in. My son is there. And I screamed. I, I, I'm not kidding you. I go, don't let her in. She'll kill me. 
And then the doctors were saying, no, 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 that's your mom. No, 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 I'm serious. She'll kill me. Don't let her in. I'm thinking that the prodigal son, as he was seeing the father running towards him, he's going to kill me now. He's coming. Where's the sword? I can't see the sword. I can't run back anymore. I'm too tired. I've been on keto diet. <laughs> but then he gets hugged. He gets kissed. Is that us with the Lord most of the time? Monday to Saturday, we lived as a prodigal son, right? And then we come to our senses and we say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I don't know what I was thinking. Please take me back. And do you feel God running to you? That's why that song earlier was getting my allergies going. Because it's just the truth. Read this. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I no longer worthy of being called your son. You know how he was reciting his line? And he wasn't even, before he even got to finish his, his memorized line, but his father said to his servants, Quick! Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Guess whose robe that is? That's the father's robe. The best robe in the house is the father's robe. We are covered with Christ's righteousness. We are not to put on masks, guys. What I hate is when we put on masks, Sunday masks. How you doing? I'm good. I'm holy. I'm good and I'm holy. We wear that mask. Oh, pastor's coming. Hi, pastor. How are you? I'm good and holy. We are not to put on masks. We are to be real, right? We are sinners saved by grace. So we put on Christ's righteousness on us. Put on. See, he didn't ask. The father didn't say, come, bring a mask. Let's hide him because the town people might end up killing him. No, the father went there for protection. He went there to protect the son because the, the Deuteronomy, the people would start killing that son. They would stone that son because everybody knows everybody's business, right? It's like Reno. It's too small. <laughs> everybody knows what you're doing. So the father went there to rescue his son from a possible Mob accident. <laughs> Cover him with this, the robe and get him a ring for his finger, giving him positional, a position at their house. That ring is significant as much as the robe is significant. And the shoes, because slaves don't wear shoes or sandals. He told them, give him sandals because my son who was lost is now back. Folks, God runs to us. I know we've been discussing the pursuit of happiness that most of the time is our failure. But please know that God constantly is chasing after you to come to your senses. And He wants you to know that you are wearing Christ's righteousness. It's not our righteousness because our righteousness just failed. It constantly fails. It's not enough. Our righteousness is a dirty rag to God. So if you failed this week, just know that Christ's righteousness covers you. 
something unheard before. When Jesus told the parable for the first time, a father, a dignified man, running towards his son who disrespected him, who, imagine this guy just spent one third of his wealth and then he goes to him and kissed him and hugs him. The prodigal son was a waste, but the father didn't see him that way. This is how much our God loves us. That while we were his enemies, he died for us. Romans 5.8 At the first sight of him, imagine, that's another significant thing. The father was looking out, waiting for his son every day. For the whole day, for him to see him, for the first sight of him. You know, Annalou's been going back to the Philippines quite, quite a bit for the past 12 months. And in, in, in San Francisco, they have this TV, this monitor, that you, you can see if they're on their way out. So guess what you're doing? You're like, you're, we're all programmed, right? Guess what I'm doing while I'm waiting for Annalou. And the first sight of him or her and Alonzo or Gianna, my heart jumps. They're here. And then I start doing my cool guy look like, I don't really miss her that much. <laughs> don't show your cards too much, man, you know. <laughs> but you're just excited. But the father could not resist it. He started running, right? That's God, the father to us. He can't wait for us to finally repent, turn the other way, come to Him. He won't even wait for you. He goes charging. He comes charging towards you. Some for folks, so we've discussed the prodigal and the older brother. Now we're talking about the father's love. The story should have been titled The Father's Love. A loving father. Because he has two stubborn kids. One kid could care less about him, right? And look at this. At first, the prodigal said, he asked one of the... No, this is, this is... Yeah, he says, Father, give me the portion of good that falls to me. The prodigal... And then he changed to make me like your hired servants. See the change of heart? At first, the prodigal son only wanted blessings. He just wanted his father's money. And then when he made the mistake that he made that an idol, he spent his life for those blessings, and he realized that's not going to compare to anything other than having a relationship with my father and being with him, then his line says, make me like your hired servants. That's the change of heart. Now, folks, what's your request? Are you still all about wanting goods from God? Is that all your relationship is with Him? Lord, bless me. Lord, bless me. Lord, bless us. Bless me. Bless me. Bless me. Bless me. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. I promise you, once you bless me here, I will always be with you. We all know that's not true all the time, right? And the change of heart, make me like your servants. 
once we realize that the goods, the material things, the money, the success are nothing compared to our intimate relationship with God the Father. Until we realize that, we will never say the second verse. Then. Make me like your heart servants. Per diem only. Give me the privilege. Right? The choice of being his servant is the result of the change of heart. The difference from exercising religion from a changed life through Jesus Christ is external practices and rituals with no change within versus internal change which results to external actions. Coming to that point of view of wanting to be a servant is a result of an intimate relationship with God. If you are not walking hand in hand with God, you won't want to serve Him. You just want Him to bless you. You just want the fringe benefits of Christianity. Until you've really surrendered and actually known Him on who God is, you will not want to be His servant. So folks, what's your request? I pray that we let go of our wasteful and legalistic ways and stop looking at our God the Father as just a source of material blessings, a source of protection, a source of health, although He is all of that. But I pray that we will see those things secondary than having an intimate relationship, knowing who He truly is. We should live our lives that way, or we should focus on that more. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your message to us tonight. I thank you for the patience of your people here. I pray that the Holy Spirit that is in them be the one to give them the clarity of your message for them. I pray for humility for all of us that we will surrender your will, even if it doesn't make sense to us. Forgive us for the many times that we have failed you. Forgive us for the many times that we continue to walk our way and live our way and not yours. At this point, Father God, we know that you are the one that continues to pursue us and we are grateful for that. We pray, Lord, that we will mature in our faith and our trust in you as you continue to show your face to us. Guide us, Father, and bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all rise for the closing.